Now I'd like to introduce tonight's moderator, Mr. Joe Moore. Joe Moore is the Director of Program Content for Valley Public Radio, the NPR affiliate for California's San Joaquin Valley. Since joining the station in 2010, he's helped launch Valley Public Radio's local news department and the weekly radio magazine program, Valley Edition, which he hosts. Please give a very, very warm welcome to Joe Moore. Thank you all so much for being here today. It's great to see so many familiar faces and also new faces here in our arts community. Fresno has such a wealth of great talent, and we have just a few representatives of that community here with us today, but I think they're a great cross-section of what the Central Valley has to offer in the arts. Let's go ahead and introduce them to you. Uh, I'll start with Chris Sorensen, the man to my right. Uh, some of Chris Sorensen's best-known sculptures are the Big Red Heart in front of St. Agnes Hospital in Fresno, the Bulldog on Ventura Avenue at Wico Supply, and the Dog and Fire Hydrant sculpture at Abbey Pet Hospital on Ashland Avenue. His vision for galleries and his studio, which he founded 24 years ago, is to provide a safe and affordable space for artists to work in the Central Valley and perhaps most significantly, he is one of the founders of Fresno's now thriving art hop. Again, Chris Sorensen. <laughs> <laughs> to Chris's right, we have Renee Newlove. Renee started volunteering with Fresno's Rogue Performance and Arts Festival nine years ago and has been involved with local theater in a number of capacities for a decade. She spent five years as a Rogue Festival co-producer and recently tra transitioned into being a Rogue Festival board member. She currently teaches eighth grade English language arts in Selma, California, and is working with the California Public Theater on their upcoming performance of The Great Gatsby. Again, Renee Newlove. And last but not least, our guest from Exeter today, Eric Gonzalez. He has been a professional artist for more than 15 years, specializing in spray paint and murals. He's served communities throughout California in different capacities as an artist, as an educator, as a youth advocate, and a case manager. In 2011, he founded the Urbanist Urban Art Collective and is currently the Urbanist Program Coordinator, again, Eric Gonzalez. We're here today to talk about the changing role that arts institutions play and the do-it-yourself culture that all three of our panelists represent here. And I think it's really important because here in the Central Valley, we have, we don't have, we have some great arts organizations. In fact, we're here at one today at Arte Americas, but we don't have the massive institutions that you might have in the big cities. So I want to talk to our panelists and get their thoughts, first of all, about before you started your initiatives, your programs, before you started Art Hop, before you started the Rogue or, or worked with the Rogue, before you started your uh, urbanist group, what was your interaction with a traditional arts organization? I'll start with you, Chris. You weren't uh, initially in your first career a trained artist. How did you interact with the traditional big box institutions, museums or schools? That, I don't know. <laughs> I just, just started doing it. That was after my son got me started. How old were you when you started out? About, um, go back about 30 years ago. I was about 50. And you did not have any training before that? And, nope. And, and what, what got you started? Tell us a little about your story. My son came home one day, and I had a welding supply store, and he said, hey, Pop, he says, bring home a set of torches we do. But I'd never heard of it. That's when steel, beer came in steel cans, and they made everything they made. They sold. I got hooked. I went back to school and took every class I could take and, and just had one good time. But you never had to ask anyone for permission to, to do what no. you do. No, I just did what I wanted to do. <laughs> Great. Renee, what was your experience with the traditional model of an arts organization? Was it positive? Was it negative? What was that like? It was kind of the big, scary, unaccessible thing. Um, you know, you can go to San Francisco um, and, you know, the Modern Museum of Art, and, you know, you can see Broadway and, and theater all over the place. Um, but one of the things I really realized was, I, here I was, just this little person, and how do I get involved? How do I, you know, kind of break into this scene? Um, and, and it all just seemed very, uh, very encased in glass. 
you know, um, and it's not that it wasn't it wasn't a positive experience. I mean, art, even in its most uh, produced stage or its most expensive or its most lavish stage, is still art. Uh, but what I think is really amazing um, is the ability to actually have art that is accessible to the lay the, the layperson, to the people who um, don't exactly think that they are the artist. You know, I, I think that that really is something that um, our our community I think has really been able to bolster. Now, Eric, you came to the Valley from the Bay Area and moved to the town of Exeter. Uh, what was your experience like in the Bay Area with arts organizations or just the arts community there versus the, the geographic disparity that we have here in the Valley? What was that like? <laughs> well, um, back in San Jose, I was pretty active uh, connecting with as many organizations that were already serving youth or lending opportunity for um, young artists, you know, to showcase their work, gain skills. So um, when I came out to Exeter, I, I did try to find, you know, um, local art organizations. Not so much in Exeter. I was hanging out in Fresno quite a bit. Uh, my idea was that I was in, in uh, too rural of an area where um, I probably jumped to the idea that my art form wasn't maybe um, too accepted back then, right? Um, so I, I started seeking the, 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 the biggest city in the neighborhood, so I was hanging out up here a lot. Um, and I actually had the opportunity to start working with Chris a little bit. So, so then I connected with some um, organizations that were opening their doors and uh, were able to give me opportunities to um, you know, start expanding my work and my ideas. But then I still kind of felt like I was missing something. And um, that's when I just decided to say, hey, I'm, I'm just going to kind of do my own thing and, and see what happens. What was that process like? You know, there's not necessarily a, maybe there is a book you can buy, how to start your own arts uh. organization or arts collaborative <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Wikipedia, I don't know. Yeah. What, was, what was that like? How, do you, how should, did you do that? Yeah, I should probably start one. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and actually prior to, to starting um, the Urbanist group, uh, I was already, a, a, you know, an extremely active person. I was um, trying to organize um, art shows, contests, any type of event that had something to do with um, urban art, graffiti art, um, because I thought it was still... Uh, lacking a bit, it was it was missing something, and and uh, I think Fresno had a, a really good um, graffiti art community already, but um, I just kind of you know invited myself in and, and started initiating things. So, mm -hmm. Chris, uh, I'll turn to you. Also talking about the genesis of, of an organization, or, or in your case, not an organization, but I guess you would call it a movement or a, a community-wide event. When you started Art Hop. What was that like? What was the challenge there? And, and was the, um, what, what we know Art Hop to be today, was that the original vision? How did you deal with those first few years that were challenging? <laughs> we just did it. We didn't realize it would ever amount to anything. We just had a good time. How has it changed? Pardon? How has it changed over the years? It just got great big. It's, it's got very big. And everybody's into it now. And maybe it was just a couple of us doing it. Now there's probably a hundred here in Fresno places doing it. One of the things that uh, we talk about when we look at arts organizations and, and this event and, and artists reaching out to the public in their own way and not having to go through a gallery or a museum or some other curator who's, who's validating your art, one of the big changes there has been the internet. Do you think that that's had a, a big impact on Art Hop's success, especially maybe in the last 10 years yes. versus the first part of it? Well, people like Art Hop now because they got a free night out. That's what it amounts to. They enjoy going to the different places yeah. and seeing what's taking place. Renee, what about the, your experience with the Rogue Festival? I know a huge part of the Rogue is the online discussion about the events because <laughs> each performer, if you haven't been to the Rogue Festival, which starts tomorrow night in Fresno's Tower District, uh, each performer in this non-juried festival has I don't know, how many performances? Uh, it, it varies between four to six performances, um, just depending. Uh, but kind of to stem off of the yeah. discussion that you're talking about, uh, what's super cool about The Rogue, and I'm just going to pinch this right now, <laughs> when you go see a show at The Rogue, go online 
And, and online you'll find, um, on the website, on our, our Rogue website, what you'll find is each performer has their own kind of web page that we build for them. And you're able to go online and, and write comments on their show. You get to become the reviewer. You get to become the person to say, you know what, I really liked what you did there. Or like, oh, you know, I wasn't so feeling that. You know, and, and we really kind of involve the community and, and the audience as well as the artists themselves. You know, um, artists are always checking to see, like, how many comments do I have on my shows? You know, who's reviewed my shows? Um, and, I, and I think that we've really been able to capitalize on the Internet. Um, tweeting, you know, I, I took a picture of one of our performers who just got into town yesterday um, and immediately it was retweeted, you know. Um, and we're kind of vying. The hashtag Rogue2014, we're vying with Nissan. You know, to see like, you know, like really base it out of Fresno versus actually like basing it out of the car company. Uh, um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely we celebrate it. Um, we definitely want to embrace um, how the arts can really be expressed and, and maintain the individuality um, on this big, bad Internet. Eric, I know that the Internet is a big part of what you do and that's having that outside connection, being a, a graffiti artist in Exeter. You want to be connected to people throughout the world doing what you're doing because... Uh, right. Just the, the geographic situation there. Is there also a drawback to that too, though? Because you're seeing all these uh, other artists from across the world and all these trends, yet you still want to maintain your individuality. Is that a challenge for you? Do you think? Yeah, for I think for my my personal work, um, you know, I have to kind of shut the internet down every once in a while so I can zone in on my own ideas. Mm -hmm. But um, you have to kind of figure out that balance. Because at the same time, um, uh, I, I really enjoy collaborating with with other artists, not just in events, but you know, for individual pieces. And so I might find someone who I think I could really work with really well, and um, you know, I'll, I'll message them instantly via Instagram. And next thing you know, we're collaborating on something, even though I'm in Exeter and you know he's up in Washington or something. So. Um, I think it's it's definitely it's got its its benefits, and you just kind of find a way to uh, have them work for you. Mm -hmm. The Central Valley. I've heard a lot of people in different fields, from the arts to business. People have talked about the Central Valley as this is a, a, a frontier, so to speak, an area where there is a uh, opportunity. You could call it a gap, uh, an opening, some uh, an opportunity to do something that hasn't maybe already been done here, at least that you might not have in a larger city. And uh, that could be, again, opening a business or being an artist. Uh, and I've also heard people talk about this as well, people here are, in a sense, who are doing these sorts of things, pioneers. Do you think of yourselves as pioneer? Do you think of yourself, Chris, yes. as pioneer? And, and what does that mean to you? It means I go home and enjoy it. <laughs> I've committed something it's people like. Well, you, you've also had the opportunity to work with hundreds if not thousands of young artists and aspiring artists who have space in your studio. What's that Right been now like? we've got the uh, real handicapped people coming in there and showing them art. They come in twice a week and that's, it's nice. And for those of you who haven't been to Chris's studio, it's absolutely a, a fascinating maze of different uh, artists' spaces uh, and it is truly amazing. And to see the constant turnover... Turmoil. New, of, new <laughs> of new artists and new ideas that come through there. Chris, we think people come because they're not going to see something new every time. Yeah. We keep changing things. Mm -hmm. And if you leave one painting there and you leave that one and people see them, they don't see them. But you switch them, they see them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rene, do you think of yourself and, and the Rogue as a pioneer, especially considering how the Rogue fits in with other quote-unquote, fringe festivals. Sure. <laughs> um, I, me, myself, no. I'm not a pioneer. I'm, I'm just a volunteer, uh, a part of this, this train that is definitely setting, setting its own track and laying its own track. Um, I, I think the, the true pioneers uh, for The Rogue are, of course, our founder, Marcel Nunes. Uh, but in addition to that, every single individual performer that comes into our, our venues with new art, I think they're the pioneers. Um, I, I really think that somebody who's willing to put themselves out there, put themselves on the stage, um, and, and really just kind of do their own thing, I think they're the pioneers. Um, not me. I'm a, I'm a volunteer. You know, I, I want to give them that stage. Um, and I, 
I, I think the Rogue has really made a stand. We do not participate in the fringe organization because we don't believe that another organization should tell us how to run our festival. Now, this is an association of fringe festivals that, yes. that dictates <laughs> who can use the word fringe. Right, right. <laughs> fringe is kind of a copywritten type thing, and so it's not the Fresno Fringe Festival. It's it's the Rogue Performance and Arts Festival. We are we are not a fringe. Um, we are we are definitely a, a festival that celebrates performance and art, and uh, we're not. Going to tell an audience we're not going to tell an audience member or a performer you can't do that on stage we're going to offer you a stage no matter what you know um as long as it's not illegal then sure put it on stage yeah and it, and it might be bad it it might be but hopefully it was a learning experience for you and for the audience as well <laughs> uh, you know and, and fresno has an amazing capacity for being kind of a guinea pig audience you know and i, I really have to give credit you know, to the Fresno audiences as well, because Fresno really, um, we are known on the fringe circuit and kind of this performance arts circuit as being the friendliest fringe, because you as audience members smile at our performers and tell them how good they've done and are willing to come back and willing to see their stuff. Even if you know that like, oh, last year wasn't so good, but I think this year you might be better, you know, and I'm, I'm still gonna let go and try that out. Um, and, I, and I just, you know, I, I think, Fresno itself, the audience, the performers, the individual performance people, I think they're the pioneers. Eric, do you think of yourself as a pioneer? What, what does that mean to you to, to be in yeah, kind no, of a role? No, not really. I don't consider myself a pioneer. Um, I think that there are already a lot of great artists that were doing what I was doing here. Um, I think I just got a little lucky along the way. Um, and a lot of the things that I, I brought to the area, I was already doing, and I'm sure there were plenty of other people uh, other artists in my network, my closest friends, you know, that were already uh, creating what I was doing, what we're doing now back in the Bay Area. So it's kind of brought that along with me. Do you think you could do, you could be doing what you're doing now and having the success you're having and have your own organization? Do you think you would have that same success if you were in the Bay Area or in LA? Um, well, again, I, I've, I've always been pretty active. Um, but I, I don't think that I would have reached the, the level that I am right now. What, what about you, Renee, both as an artist and as part of the organization, Rogue? Sure. Um, I think one of the biggest things um, about those big cities um, is that they are industry cities. So they have professional theaters that come through. One of the big things about San Francisco and or L.A. is Hollywood's there. Um, Broadway goes there all the time. Um, and so it's really as an independent theater um, and as an independent performer, it's really hard to compete. It's really hard to compete. So, you know, why would you want to see my show that I'm spilling my heart out when Wicked's playing next door to me? You know, um, and, I, and I think what's really nice about Fresno is there really isn't the, the, those, those big name shows don't come in all that often. When they do, you know, the independent shows aren't going on, you know, so it's kind of one of those, we really kind of share the year space and we kind of share the days out of the year. Um, and there's really a huge capacity, I think, in Fresno because we're not a big industry town. <laughs> Chris, what about the cost factor? Could you do what you do and hosting all these artists at your studio if you were in a big city? I understand you said you rented your that studio the space for $200. The worst thing would be I couldn't find a place cheap enough to put them in. <laughs> <laughs> and I have the best landlord in Fresno, and they let me do anything I want, and anybody else would have killed me for doing what I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another thing that is maybe sometimes a challenge for Fresno artists, I suppose, is the gallery situation versus selling their own work here, alternatively selling it through a gallery in a big city. Some people will only go to the gallery. City, but they're going to learn sooner or later. <laughs> right now, we're getting, them, we're getting them moving, finally. I mean, Fresno was a dull art town. There was no movement. Now there's a lot of movement in town. What changed? I don't know, but I think people copied me and they kept copying them and it, 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 just, it was like a chain. <laughs> Pioneer. <laughs> Pioneer. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, part of this discussion deals with the role of institutions. You know, our modern idea of the museum dates back to at least the Italian Renaissance mm -hmm. and uh, it's obviously evolved and changed and institutions are always trying new things. But if you look at the biggest arts organizations, the highest profile ones, most of them, with a few exceptions, most of them have been around a long time. Uh, what do you think the role of the museum is, or, or big arts organization, not just a physical museum building, but 
What do you think the role of that type of an organization is today? And if it didn't exist today and we had to invent it now in the 21st century, what would it be? I'll start with you, Renee. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, one, I, I love I love the old school theaters, and, and I love seeing professional theater, and I love um, going to the old school museums and seeing the classics, quote unquote the classics, because I, I think one, it's a teaching tool, um, and two, it, it gives us an example to set our bar to and then to exceed. You know, it's kind of like, you know, here's, here's a par level, now let's see if we can overshoot that. Like, let's see if we can just jump over that. Um, and, I, and I really think that it forces us to up our level um, as independent performance and artists. Um, and I, I really think it does that. Had we not had that institution, um, man, uh, I think potentially like a kid would throw spaghetti on the wall and we'd, car we'd call it art and it would be a classic. Um, you know, and that's okay. I, I, I think, you know, some people would just stand up on stage and wrapped in cellophane and, and say random things and we'd call that art. Um, and, I, and I think that that's okay too. Um, I, I really think where we would be now is kind of where we're at, but we wouldn't really know kind of where we could go. And I, I think our legacy, the history that we have followed, um, I, I think that really has given us an example of how we can be better. Chris, what do you think about the role of a museum uh, in today's environment? You have all of these different artists. Are, do you consider yourself a curator? No, I'm just an artist down there having a good time. But there are so many people that want to do art that don't have a place to go do art, so that's what I've done what I've done, is made little places where they can show their art, and they can come, they have a key, they can come and go, but then time, they bring their own friends, and pretty soon, more and more come. All of a sudden, somebody says, I like that, so they go over and start it over here, and it just multiplies. Eric is bringing the art out of the people. <laughs> you've, you've been in Chris's studio many yeah. times, and you're very familiar with that environment. Uh, do you, do you how do you find that relates to the traditional museum experience, and, and what is the role of that traditional experience in an era when we have the internet, not to mention all yeah. these artist-run collectives and things? Mm -hmm. Well, I think for me, you know, especially you know, coming from the, uh, a really strong graffiti background, um, one of the biggest things or biggest benefits is to be able to create a piece that will be semi-permanent, right? It's not going to get, uh, you know, painted over too quickly. Even when you um, complete a commissioned piece, you know, uh, uh, some type of project, a local business owner wanted you to create something, it's probably going to disappear, you know, sooner or later. And the galleries kind of uh, help you preserve that. Um, of course, the piece will hopefully be sold off down the line. Um, but again, you're able to kind of preserve the, the, the art pieces. And then, um, you know, the institutional uh, venue also uh, assists me in reaching out to a, uh, an additional audience, mm -hmm. which is, is, is uh, pretty much what I do. I have multiple audiences that I uh, work with. And, um, you know, even when I first started back in, um, in the Bay Area, um, I was able to step into a gallery and um, also sort of raise the value of my work. People were appreciating it. And the same thing here, you know, um, I, I can recall when I first moved to, to the area, especially in Exeter, uh, when I would mention that, you know, I, I, I my medium is spray paint, and I, my focus is working with spray paint, and I have a, an urban art or graffiti background. You know, a lot of people are kind of hesitant and have this weird idea about you. Um, but then when I'm showing at uh, the local um, art center, uh, or I had a show at Arts Visalia, and that was a huge impact. Um, I was able to reach out to a, a lot of people that became fans, uh, or, or I was able to educate people about, you know, the process, the art form, where it comes from. And then even, um, you know, currently with uh, the, the Urbanist Group, without the support of the Arts Consortium, we wouldn't be able to, to um, get to where we are now, you know. So we, we, we kind of, it, it, we can benefit from that. Mm -hmm. So, What about the challenges of trying to do all the non-arts things that go into <laughs> making 
your art accessible to an audience, whether that's the business side of things mm. or promotion. Uh, Chris, what do, you, what do you think about that? that is, is that a, a challenge for you? When you put on a show, that is a major job. You've got to bring stuff in, record it all, and then you have to have somebody take the old stuff down and hang the new stuff up. And then you have to judge the show and you have to pay the judges. I mean, it, it's a big job to put on a show. Mm-hmm. But we try to have a new one every month, which we've been lucky enough to do. And we're booked almost for a year and a half ahead now on wow. shows. Wow. Uh, what about your thoughts on commissions? Uh, that's something that I know <laughs> is, is something you've done. Um, and that's something that artists have varying opinions on. Do you, do you like doing commissions? Does that work? I don't like commissions because they have to do what they want to do, not what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. And then you're on a timetable. That, that certainly is, is a, a challenge. Renee, what are your thoughts on the business side? Uh, you know, that's not something they necessarily teach you in, in <laughs> no. school. No, not at all. Uh, Arts Business 101. Um, no, I, with the Rogue Festival, uh, planning really begins at the end of July for March. Um, and, and fundraising and try to, trying to deal with, you know, how are we really going to make the biggest splash and, and make it different each time. Um, and, and I think where the business aspect comes in with it is, you know, I mean, there's, there's this, bl- this mesh and this blend that really needs to happen. And um, one of the things that I've noticed with the producers that we've been able to have um, with the Rogue Festival is there's been a nice blend of somebody that is business-minded and understands the money side and somebody that is performance side and understands the artist side. So, so the artist will say, like, oh, I have this great idea. And the business person goes, uh-uh, no way. And the business person will say, no, we really need to do this. And the artist side will go, no, 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 no. Like, we really need to kind of, like, keep this as, as something that's fluid. Um, and I think that there's a fine balance with it. You know, I think it takes a lot of work. Um, with the rogue, um, what we say and what we call it is being a duck on water um, to where you, you will see somebody that is a part of the rogue, especially right now since we are T minus, oh, 12 hours um, <laughs> from starting and, and – you know, you'll see us and we're like, hey, how's it going? What's going on? Have you gotten your rogue map yet? Yeah. Okay. Really underneath we're going, ah! we're trying to stay afloat, you know, um, and, and it's okay, you know, and, you know, it's, it's kind of, that's the business and there's so many fires to put out, you know, throughout those nine days, um, you know, but what matters is that the artists are having a good time. What matters is that the audience is having a good time and that the artists want to come back next year and the audiences want to see more shows, you know, and so... All of the business headaches that happen, um, you know, and and the struggles with fundraising and and the struggles with finding money and the struggles with dealing with 501c3s um, and and nonprofit organizations and things like that, um, those struggles, I think, are so absolutely worth it because of the little kid that you see going up to that performer afterwards and saying, will you sign my program? You know, and like, and that's what you want. You want to like engender this, this love and imagination for somebody that is younger than you that will then want to maybe take up that stand and do it again. <laughs> Eric, what about yourself? You've had so many different roles in your career. You're not just an artist, you're a mentor. You have this organization. Uh, the, this is the challenges of away from the, the canvas, so mm-hmm. to speak. What's that like for you? Well, I, I like commissions. <laughs> because they put money in my pocket. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, every once in a while, I just kind of uh, get trapped in that moment and, and I realize that, wow, I'm, I'm actually getting paid to spray paint, which is something that I grew up with. Um, you know, I, I, did, I didn't see that when I was a teenager and, and, I, and I first started experimenting with graffiti art. Um, I, I didn't think that I would uh, reach this level. And then, um, you know... Uh, uh, in addition to that, when I'm working uh, with some of the youth at uh, one of the workshops at one of the schools I work with, you know, it, it, it's really cool to be able to share your experience, your skills with young people. And then when you find that young people are craving to be artists, they just didn't really have an opportunity um, or they didn't know how about to go and, and, and create and something so simple. Um, I, I get a kick out of that. You know, it's really rewarding. Um, very often, I'll, I'll have young people, and it seems like more recently, I, I've been getting a lot of this, but young uh, youth, I mean, in grade school, are telling me that, oh, this is so cool. I've, you know, I've always wanted to be an artist, but I don't have any art materials, 
or my parents don't think I can, you know, become an artist as as grown up. Um, you know, you have you have young people saying that they they want to be firemen and and uh, you know police officers, but every once in a while I get you know the jitters when I hear someone say that I want to be an artist. That's what I want to be. And it's like wow. So let me let me help you and let me give you examples of um, how you can do that. And um, it might be uh, someone who just likes to sing or dance, and then I'll, I'll introduce them to local theater. So, um, yeah, it's it's really rewarding. So that's great. What about the social experience with art? You know, you can walk into a gallery alone and appreciate a painting, or you know, put your headphones on and listen to a symphony on your uh, iP- iP- uh, iPhone or iPad or, or iPod, uh, but all of your organizations, everything that you do here, these are very social activities. Art Hop is a social activity as much as it is, as it is an art event. Is, does that detract in any way from the art, or is that a, a, a big positive in your view? It's a big job to put Art Hop on. I mean, you never know what's going to happen, but you have to gamble. And uh, I bought a lot of things, never know if I'll ever get my money back. I've been lucky. I have never gone in the hole. And uh, I, I spent a lot of money down there making it better. But they don't realize that, but they enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And that's why they keep coming down, because it's something new they want to see. Mm-hmm. And it brings people together that's in right. the community in a way that maybe people wouldn't s- get together and chat. or, or uh... oh, they, they enjoy themselves. And you don't have to have a lot of booze to entertain them. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like this event. <laughs> Renee, what about uh, the Rogue and how that is not just an opportunity to experience theater or visual art or film or anything else, sure. but also that social element and bringing people together, in your case, from not just Fresno and the Central Valley, but literally across the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's always kind of the story, you know, once you go rogue, you'll never go back. Um, and it, it really is. You know, for those of you that have been to a rogue show, for those of you that have been a part of the rogue, um, you'll really know that we create family. It's, it's not just a social event. It's not just friends. It really becomes family. And, and every year around this time of year, I love it because it's like a family reunion. Um, you know, because in these nine days, so many amazing, important things are shared between not only the audience, but with the performers themselves. Um, and it really becomes this cohesive bond that we then have. Um, and, and, it, and it is. It's this family community. And it, and it blows my mind away when I come across somebody in Fresno, and I'm wearing my Rogue shirt, and they're like, oh, Rogue, what's that? And I'm like, ah! <laughs> you're not a part of the family. You haven't drank the water yet. Come on. Like, come on down. You know, come down to our hoedown. And, and no, and you don't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you don't need to be, you know. I mean, it's not about the booze. It's not about, you know, anything like that. But there is something amazing when you're sitting in an audience and you watch somebody up on stage and they're doing their thing and you're all crying or you're all laughing like there's something bonding about that you know and you walk out of there and you're like man like oh and remember that time that they did this and remember when that happened and I mean it really becomes now a conversation piece and then people decide that you know we really like going and seeing theater let's get together and let's see more theater and let's try to find more independent art and and things like that, and with all the free theater that's popping up in town right now. Um, I mean, I, I love it. I love that theater is now becoming much more accessible um, in our community than what maybe it has been before. Eric, you were talking about those students who you know, didn't know that they could be an artist. What about the importance of bringing them together and bringing them together with professional artists like yourself? Uh, what about the social element there? Mm-hmm. Well, I think... Um engaging the public has always been, you know, uh, I think one of the things that have helped me get to where I'm at now. Um, Prior to working with schools and uh, youth groups, when I was out painting a mural, uh, you know, out in the street in public, some commission job, I was already engaging with the public. I had young people come up to me. They were curious about what you're painting. Uh, a lot of folks stop and, 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 you know, are asking you about what materials and what the process is like. And um, I invite them, you know, would you like to try this out? And I, I like to break that stereotype that, you know, just because I'm using spray paint, you know, I'm not a gangster out here trying to mark my territory. So I'm, I'm, I'm able to take the opportunity to educate them. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, that, that was something that I was already doing prior to working with uh, organizations. So We were talking earlier about the role that traditional organizations play and the role of a curator. And I want to turn back to you, Renee, and, and just fill in some gaps that might be there for some folks who mm -hmm. aren't familiar with the Rogue Festival. You are a non-juried Festival. That's this correct. is the opposite of being a curated anything. Right. Explain that to our audience. Right. Um, so how the Rogue works um, is you have a show. You have a show that you want to do. One man, one woman show, a duet, you know, multiple people, comedy, magic, dance, performance, uh, you know, ma uh, magic, puppetry, blah, anything and everything that you can call art. You have something that you want an audience for. Okay, cool. Um, come apply with the Rogue Festival. You pay an upfront um, you pay an upfront application fee. And what the Rogue then does with that fee is we pay our insurances and rent our stages and make sure that you actually have a stage to make those performances on. I don't want to know what your script is. I don't want to know what your actual art performance is. I don't want to know what you're doing. Um, I, I just need a little blurb of what your PR stuff is. Um, and then go. Open. You know, and, and you get to put it on stage. I, as, as somebody that works with the festival, the festival itself as an entity will never tell you you're not good enough to be on our stage. We'll, we'll never say that. We'll never sit there and say your art is not good enough. Um, and so we're non-juried. There's, there's no judgment that's being passed down by the organization um, about whether or not your piece might be considered art or not. Like, you're doing your thing. Go get up on stage. And one of the beautiful things about Rogue itself is 100% of the ticket sales go back then to you as the performer. The festival doesn't take any money from the, the door. You know, we believe in the art. We believe in everything else. Everybody that works with the festival is a volunteer. Nobody, a part of the festival other than the performers, get paid. Everybody volunteers, you know. So producers who start in July, they're working for free. They're working to build this community of art that then is, is being seen. And last year we had between 10 and 11,000 audience members, you know, and we're looking to grow. We're definitely looking to have more people come down to tower, more people. We have over 17 stages. We have 75 individual performance groups. This all starts tomorrow, the Tower Theater kickoff party. Um, you know, and, and it, really, it really is this nine days of there's something every day that's going to be art that you can be involved with and, and see. And it's anywhere between free to $10, and maybe it might go up to 15 But, you know, no matter what, you're getting an experience. Chris, you were talking about how Art Hop has grown. Take us back 24 years ago. Well, it was very different. What was it like then? Well, we used to have a potluck down there every night. And a bunch of us gathered together. That's how it got started. Why somebody, I think it was Jane Whiter, she says, let's, let's have an art show. So we, we called it Art Hop. That was it. And how big is it now? Well, we get about 500 to 600 every time. At, at your venue, and yeah. there's now probably at least two dozen venues in two different art well, there's hops. A, there's a lot of people in there. There's all these little booths now. They have their own little shows. Yeah. And then they go through to the glass blower, and, and uh, we can even go outside now. It's, it's just growing all by itself. Yeah. And, the, and you've seen it spread all throughout the city as right. well. But then the others have picked it up, and then they have made it better. And a lot of them got a lot better places than I got now, but then they still come down to our place. <laughs> in, in just the brief time we have left, uh, we will have an opportunity for questions in a moment, so you might think about uh, anything that uh, you feel has gone unasked in a moment. But uh, we'll go through with one final question here. What have you learned in doing the endeavors that you've undertaken starting Art Hop, working with the Rogue, starting the Urbanists. Uh, Chris, what have you learned? What's been the lesson that you've taken away from, from all of this? That people given a chance to do something would like to do it. That's all it takes. I mean, you've got to give them a place to work, and they'll come. Mm -hmm. Did you have any idea how it would grow? I had no idea. I, wasn't even, I was just down there having a good time myself, and somebody said, well, I, I said, can I use that? And I said, okay. First thing you know, we had a bunch there. And it just grew all by itself. Renee, what have you learned in the process of, of being a festival producer and now the board of directors? And how has it changed, maybe both as a festival and also your role? What have you, what's your takeaway? Um, 
Definitely first and foremost, you know, I kind of have to reiterate what Chris said. Um, if you build it, they will come. If you give them the opportunity, they will come. Um, but even more so, um, there's no idea that's too crazy. Really, <laughs> give it a shot, try it, be, be bold, be brave. Um, you know, and, and there, is, there are seasons, you know, and, and I think, you know, taking off the producer hat and putting on a, a board member hat, um, my, my season of, of producing is, is done. And now I, I get to be on a board, be on a, a, an amazing board. Um, and what's nice is I now get to return to the stage. I get to return to be an artist myself instead of, you know, a producer of the arts. And so, um, you know, it, it's, it's a season thing. You know, I, I think it's winter to fall and, and spring and all of that fun stuff. And Eric, what have you learned in your process in coming to the Valley, being a, a I guess you could say a pioneer starting something new here and having success in a place that, that many people probably wouldn't expect to find something like the Urbanists in, in Exeter. Yeah, I think um, just to continue having fun with it, um, to remember that uh, that's how it all started. You, you're looking to find self-satisfaction, whether it's you know a therapeutic process for you, just to have fun. Um, and, and I started doing this because uh, an opportunity was lent to me, you know, in my teen days, when I was out uh, being a rogue artist, <laughs> um, you know, someone noticed uh, my work, and they offered me to uh, uh, take on a commission job. So that opportunity was lent to me, and so that's something that I kind of always go back to. I like to return the favor and, and lend opportunity for other young people, young artists that are trying to do the same. And um, the great thing about uh, my medium is that I'm able to use, you know, one of the, uh, I'm able to use my work as an example, you know, for one of the um, art forms out there that is probably at the, at the bottom of the list. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I just like, you know, spreading love and, and, and uh, I get yelled at for not uh, spending enough money on myself and, you know, spreading the funds out to some of the other young artists because I want, I want them to uh, achieve something. I want them to, to grow. So Today I was in a great big attorney's office and went into this boardroom to talk to him and I looked up in the wall and there was this piece up there and I asked the attorney, who made that? I don't know. I said, I can tell you who made that. Michael T. Murphy made it. He's, he made it out of our Michael studio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that is great. And on that note, let's go ahead and open it up to questions. Ebony Zerl, and I would like Chris to talk about how he dealt with a graffiti problem at his studio. I had $1,000, and I talked the landlord out of $1,000. He put up this prize money, and we got the best murals you ever laid eyes on. And nobody has ever graffitied them since. Yeah. And you've been a big supporter of graffiti artists. Yeah. And uh, the, most of the ones that were doing the graffiti were the ones that put them on. <laughs> <laughs> so they take care of them. Yeah. That's a great Never going to paint them out again. They're going to do it over again. One yeah, and I'll just jump in and say that uh, on, on some of my first trips to Fresno, I, I quickly had the opportunity to meet Chris, and he was a major advocate for uh, graffiti artists. And so he recognized that, you know, um, it, it was something that was, that was being produced on a creative level, and uh, he, he offered his space uh, with, without judgment. Um, so yeah, thanks. Yeah. Donna Hobson, this question is for Eric. Do you find, or do you need to have a straight or eight to five job in order to support your art? <laughs> I'm currently employed, you know, I have a day job. And um, so I'm, I'm often staying up late, uh, working on getting some of these projects rolling. And uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, soon I'll be able to uh, just kind of, you, you ever seen that one uh, flyer that goes around where the guy just throwing the papers in the air? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about doing that really soon and just say, yeah. So, thank you. Oh, um, and my question is, so the, the narrative that you've um, graciously shared for us tonight is of this kind of explosion of this growth of art in the valley in Fresno. So my question is, Thinking about the future, what, what is the next edge 
for you and if you want to comment on the whole valley and what 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 is missing either resources or critical engagement what what do you in yoga we talk about working at your edge what's the next challenge that's a really good question i'm going to jump in on that um what I've noticed about Fresno, and, and I, I absolutely love Fresno, but one of the things that I've noticed about Fresno is there's an audience apathy. Um, there's, there's an apathy of like, oh, you know, we're the little big town, you know, and we're not San Francisco, and we're not LA, you know, so therefore we don't have really good stuff. You know, and I, and I really just wish that Fresno audiences would just kind of slough off that mentality. Like the Central Valley audience would just slough off that mentality and just say, you know what, I'm going to try something new. Um, and, I, and I think that that is kind of the, the hub that we really need to get over um, because I see so many good things. And, you know, I was at a, at a show um, probably almost a year ago, and it was Baba Brinkman, who is an amazing performer. And there was like 30 people there. And I'm like, how do people not show? Like, how do people not know that Baba Brinkman was coming into town? Oh, my gosh. You know, um, and, and I mean, I think he's a phenomenal performer. And, um, you know, and I, and I think that that's one thing. Um, another thing is bringing in the new ideas. Um, you know, when I first started producing the festival, I had these new ideas, and we implemented the, those new ideas. Um, and, and kind of one of the reasons why myself and um, some of the other producers, one of the reasons why we kind of filter in and out in these seasons um, is because we want new people with new ideas to come in. Um, you know, because it's not that I've been tapped out, but it's, it's because I have my way of doing things, and somebody else needs to come in now and kind of take the bull by the horns and lead it in a new direction. Um, and it's some growing pains, you know, it's, it's kind of difficult to watch it going in a different way because that's not the way I would do it. But at the same time, it's good for the festival. Um, and I think just kind of that, that seasonal bringing in new ideas and being open to that, I think is important. Uh, I'll just really yeah, quickly, I'll just add that uh, one of the things that, that, that I foresee is bringing more people to the valley, you know, from um, down south and up north. Mm -hmm. And uh, one, one great thing about us being limited in what we do is that we're able to round up, you know, people from all these rural areas. They're, they're attracted to uh, this graffiti art event that's happening because it's so rare. Um, so, you know, why stop there? Why stop, you know, bringing folks up from Bakersfield or uh, Madeira and Stockton? And so let's, let's keep reaching out to, you know, our surrounding major cities and, and it's been happening, so that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. My name is Garrett Masterson, and my question has to do with the Rogue Festival. Um, there are no restrictions on what happens or how many people uh, participate, and yet you've got waiting lists now, and at some point it's going to expand to where um, only so many people can participate, and right. the same people participate every year, and then there's, it stops being... It outgrows itself in a sense. Sure. Would you say that's true? Absolutely. Uh, a lot of the ways that we've sort of talked about combating that issue, because we have noticed that um, as an organization. Um, first and foremost, garage theaters, like pop-up theaters, um, are kind of happening, you know, which is, I think, a great movement. You know, people are putting up their own lighting in their own garages and being able to create a 20-seat performance space, uh, you know, which is awesome. It's like the original garage band, like Go Nirvana, but it's like theater. Um, but I mean, there's, there's a jury system that we could do. There's first come first serve. Um, you know, I, I, I really think that, um, I mean, we are, yes, definitely aware. Um, those performers that come back, it is a first come first serve, you know, so that we have a limited number of, of spaces of performance spaces, but then we also have the bring your own venue component to where if you can find another venue, maybe that's not in tower itself, you know, that's downtown. We have a lot of venues that are now opening and spreading out into downtown, um, you know, and creating these other avenues, these other places um, that I think, you know, you just kind of have to get a little creative. So yeah. we have room for you to come down there and have performance. <laughs> there, right we there we go. There we go. <laughs> Renee, just really quickly, sure. how quickly does the application process fill up? Oh, man. Are we talking a week, a month? A day. Uh, I'm talking hours. Um, last year, I, I know for sure last year, I'm not sure about this year. Last year we opened um, October 1st at 10 a.m. And uh, by 1 o'clock my main stages were filled. Um, and, and literally, and, like, and I'm like, oh, how cool Fresno has that many people that want to come in. Um, and then I, I hear the people that are like, man, I was at work. You know, and it's like, oh, okay, let me find you a venue. Like, let me, let me find a bring your own venue. Let me find some way, you know, that we can do that. And um, 
there there are some things in the works. There are some changes uh, that are that are going to be coming down over the next few years. So, um, one I can follow see up in question. here we need a lot of grandchildren. And, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. One, one follow up question for the other guys is uh, the artwork that you are doing. It's which is great, and it's sort of outside. The, the whole theme of this is outside museums. Um, in what ways does that help and support museums, considering museums are really struggling, particularly here in Fresno? Well, one thing that I see, you know, it's really interesting is now um, a lot of museums are welcoming, you know, uh, street art and urban art. But um, the cool cool thing about street art is that it's it's street art. I mean, you don't have to be a ticket holder. Uh, you don't have to be a member of, you know, an organization to be able to appreciate it. Uh, but at the same time, um, it's beneficial to, to be able to work with those type of organizations. And for example, uh, the MOCA down south in Los Angeles, they, they had the largest graffiti art um, show. And I, they're claiming globally. And uh, I, I kid you not, uh, when that thing took off, it actually benefited me. And I started you know, working with more people that were open to the idea of, uh, you know, introducing graffiti art styles to, to their projects. Uh, because it, it was, it was uh, allowing for educating the public, you know, a little bit more. And, and you know, it's, it, you have this, this institution with a very, uh, that was very credible. And so, you know, it, it helped us out. But I'm Gerald Palladino. I'm the founder of the Curtain Five Theater Group Ensemble. We were a little too late to get into Rogue this year, but our improv group will be performing at Frank's Place. Awesome. My question concerns uh, youth groups that are sponsored through uh, the Cultural Arts Rotary Club, which I'm president, and several other organizations. Is there an avenue that we can connect with Rogue uh, to purchase a number of tickets so that young people from underprivileged families can attend. Absolutely. What we do um, this year, well, and, and first and foremost, uh, rogue, all rogue shows have a rating on them um, because absolutely, like, I, I do want to let people know, like, there are, there's edgy stuff mm -hmm. that happens, you know, so if there's nudity or if there's any sort of um, adult content, we do disclose that immediately um, and up front. Um, but we do have rogue bucks, this year, um, and Rogue Bucks, um, basically, it's it's a it's a ticket that is either a five dollar or a ten dollar value, um, and if you pre-purchase that, as long as they get in line for the show, you know the Rogue Bucks will do the trick. Um, we don't sell individual tickets for individual shows; it's just a general Rogue Buck, um, and those are available at um, Livingstones as well as the Tower Theater box office, um, and you can get this. Absolutely, absolutely. Good, thank you. Yeah, no, and um, this year is the first year, talking about children, um, this year is the first year that we have actually um, started a youth rogue fringe, uh, kind of a youth festival, and we have um, four youth performance groups that will be performing at Neighborhood Thrift, um, and it's our first time. This has kind of been a long labor of love that we've wanted to add in, and we have some, some amazing middle school and high school performance groups that are going to be using this. They have a, a lessened application fee, um, and so they are able to get in, and they're using it as a fundraiser for their performance groups that are at their, other, at their schools. So Roosevelt School of the Arts um, with their Talented 10th, um, and I know... Um, Cooper Academy is doing it, and then Shine, and there's, there's one other performance group that will be involved. Thank you so much. We'll see you at the reception.